About a month ago, I pulled together two interviews about working with trucking influencers to help your recruiting efforts online. One interview focused on the business side of things, while the other focused on the trucking side of things. That show, titled Pitfalls and Perks of Working with Trucking Influencers, is one episode you folks seem to really like. So in today's episode, we're taking it one step further by looking at your marketing metrics, especially when it comes to driver recruiting strategies, so you can start to measure the success or failure of your efforts. Hello, my name is Blythe Brimley with digitaldispatch.io, and by using Google Analytics, Google Search Console, and your own website, I'm showing you how to measure your online recruiting effectiveness so you can do less of what isn't working and double down on what is. Hope you guys enjoy. Going to cover today is uh, talking about measuring your recruiting efforts. Now, in the previous couple of episodes, we have talked about influencer marketing, especially in the driver space, and how you can use influencer marketing in in order to help your recruiting efforts. And so we talked from the business side of things with Tom Augenthaler, and then we also talked to Wayne Craig, who talked about it from the driver perspective. But this episode, we're actually going to be diving into how you can measure your recruiting efforts when it comes to proper properties that you own. And that property and one of the few properties that you own in the digital world is your website. And that's one of the more underutilized tools when it comes to recruiting is using the information that you have on your own website in order to encourage other employees or other, you know, I guess not really employees, but drivers that you want to recruit to come to your business or in, you know, maybe a students uh, at at a different college, maybe they they want to come and, and join your program. Your website is really the first place that they're going to to go and search. And then they're going to search your social media profiles to see what kind of a good sort of company culture that you have. But it really all starts with your website. So if you haven't explored the possibilities of your own marketing data within your own website, that's what we're going to dive into today. So this is for all my marketing analytics nerds out there. This is our time to shine. So we're going to dive into the first thing that you want to do is you really want to take inventory of where all of your marketing data sources are at. So making sure that your analytics are set up properly. One of the biggest myths out there, especially in the world of marketing, is once you install Google Analytics, which is a free platform in order to manage and and monitor your website's activities, is that once you install it, you're done, that you don't have any, you don't have to do anything else. When the truth of the matter is, is 40, more than 40% of all internet traffic is bot related. And so if you don't have certain filters set up within your Google Analytics account, you're going to be factoring a lot of data that just isn't accurate, that just isn't a good replica or a good representation of the visitors that are coming to your site. So the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you have filters put in place to block out as much of that bot-related traffic that's out there. And I've linked in the show notes of where you can find those common bot sites. Google usually does a pretty good job of keeping a master list updated. You just need to take that master list and add it into a filter within your own analytics account. And I know that HubSpot is another really great analytics platform but they have an option within their account that you have to actually go in and check the box to make sure that they are omitting bot-related traffic that is coming to your site. So setting up those filters is really, really important. And they're, they're going to drown out all of the noise and, and so you can get that accurate data because you won't be able to make educated decisions until you have that accurate data in place. 
And so next up, you also want to make sure that you have Google My Business set up. We covered this extensively in the last show about all the new features that are coming out for a free Google My Business account, which is the map listing that you see on the right-hand side of a Google search page. Now, you want to make sure that all of that information is accurate and all of that information is up to date because one of their latest features that's coming out very soon is called the Call History Report, where somebody Googles your company and then they'll be able to click on the phone number right in that Google listing and dial your company directly. And so having those different parameters set up in place or having that those different data points set up will really go a long way. The next one you want to do, and it's one of the more underutilized, is setting up Google Search Console. And you have to do this. This is more of a, uh, you might want to get your IT team involved with this because they have to go at the domain level, at your website's domain level, in order to verify your domain to Google that you own that domain. But the great part about it is once you verify your domain in Google Search Console, you'll be able to see historical data from the time that your domain, that you purchase your domain, you'll be able to see that historical data versus something like Google Analytics, where Google Analytics, you're only going to be able to see that data from the time that you set up and install your analytics code. And then you're only going to see that filtered noise, that filtered data from the time that you set up your filters and put those in place. Google Search Console is different where you'll be able to see the historical data from your domain. And that historical data will show you the queries that people are entering into Google and either your website is showing up for that query for that long tail keyword, or you're not showing up for that query. And then they'll also show you which pages are showing up during a Google search and then which pages are actually being clicked through. So you can kind of make in, you can kind of infer the data a little bit by looking at the queries report and then looking at the page performance report and then blending those two together in order to make an educated decision of, okay, well, this is how many times that this page appeared in search. This is how many, this is the pages that, that show up whenever somebody enters in this query, this keyword. But then you can also see the click-through rate. If that click-through rate is less than 1%, then you have some work to do on your website when it comes to the metadata that's showing up on your site, the headlines. You know, There's a whole bunch of different variables when it comes to that specific report, but it's a really good useful tool to look at where the low-hanging fruit opportunities are. Because if somebody is by accident getting to your site based off of a keyword that you want to register for, that you want to rank for, then what you can do is you can go in and you can tweak that article or you can tweak that page just a little bit to encourage more people to click through and increase that 1% or maybe less than 1% click-through rate and increase it just a little bit more, which that 1% increase in in click-through rate could result in thousands, sometimes millions of people coming to the site. So that is one of my more favorite reports to run is that Google Search Console report. I run it about once every four to six months just to see where I'm ranking and just to see where I'm I'm getting traffic coming into my site for non-branded keywords and non-branded and branded keywords means your company name so I don't I mean, I want to rank for my branded company name, but that's a lot easier than ranking for keyword phrases that are actually tied to problems that users are experiencing and they want to find a solution for. So keeping that in mind when it comes to Google Search Console is you want to get somebody, whoever is in charge of your domain name, you want to make sure that that is verified within Google Search Console because there are a lot of really good low-hanging fruit opportunities within that platform. 
Now, after you've set up your Google Analytics, you're making sure you're you're filtering out all the bot content, and then also you're you're setting up your Google Search Console. So then you have two different data sources to pull from. Now you can go it back into Google Analytics, and you can start to set up what's called a goal or an event. A goal or an event can tell you in an analytics report how many people arrived on your site. How many people clicked on a social media link to follow you? How many people clicked on a phone number to give you a direct call? How many people filled out a form? How many people scrolled? Did they scroll halfway through your site or did they scroll to the end of the, in, to the end of an article or a landing page that you created? Did you set up maybe a thank you page to encourage more signups to your email newsletter or a case study that you just released? And then you have them as soon as they download that report, then you're, they're redirected to that thank you page. That thank you page is a goal that you can set up within Google in order to track how many people actually made it to that page in order to say thank you to them. And then you can see their interactions across the board of whether they left the site immediately after getting the information that they want, or if they just left completely without doing any of those goals. And so that is a really, really great uh, sort of next level as far as analytics is concerned. Because I would say that that is a little bit more on the technical side of setting up a lot of these things, but you really need to involve the creative side of your brain and the technical side of your brain because you can track up to 20 goals and analytics and, and events within Google for free. Now, a paid solution that I've used in the past, which makes a lot of this process a, a lot more easier, is called a Reby Analytics. And they, as soon as you set up the code, you can filter out all of the bot traffic. And then where the magic sort of happens is those marketing funnels that people love to see. You can set those up with ease. And you can also set up your Google goal, or not Google related, but goals and analytics. Uh, you can set those right up into your report. So if you haven't heard of a Reby Analytics, it sort of makes Google Analytics a a lot simpler. And so I prefer to use both because I want to be able to set up goals and events super easy in one platform. And then I want to be able to go back to my trusty Google Analytics because that's where my first party data has lived for forever. So I want to make sure that I have that historical data while also being able to measure the current goals and the events that I'm putting out into the world. And so I kind of use both in, in synergies together, but you can absolutely use the free version of Google. You might just need to get, you know, your developer or a, you know, a marketing agency that you're working with, you might just have to take, you know, a couple extra steps in order to set that up within Google itself, because it can be done, but there is a, a little bit more of a nuance to it, which I've also linked in the show notes in case you want to dive a little bit deeper and get those that step-by-step -step instructions of how to set that up. So you've got your goals, set up, you've got all of your reporting, sort of you take an inventory of where all of your data is coming from. You're making sure you're getting clean data. Well, what's the next step of what you can do with that data? Well, now we can make educated decisions and we can see how much of our marketing efforts are working on the site or they're not working on the site. So specifically, let's get back to your recruiting efforts because nine times out of 10, that's exactly what a 3PL wants to use their site for. And it's what a carrier wants to use their site for. Carrier want more drivers, 3PLs, if they're non-asset based, they want to recruit more employees and they want to be able to advertise different jobs that they have. Uh, and, and growing, and there's a growing importance on getting that first party data because right now we're sort of living in the, the, the sort of, I guess, uh, the influx of the world of the cookie list world. And 
we as marketers, especially on the lazy side of things, have been blessed with a, a, a cookie world for years. But now with growing privacy concerns and the inability to track across devices, uh, I think it's Apple and Facebook that are actually in a very heated battle right now when it comes to the first party data of how they're sharing your information across different party apps. Facebook is very mad that Apple isn't allowing that anymore. And they're giving users the right to choose. And nine times out of 10, if a user has the choice to choose whether they share their information with other companies or not, they're probably not going to share that. So it makes the, the I guess, the focus of having that first party data so much more important. So diving into a sample flow of what your recruiting efforts can look like is making a landing page on your website with all of your recruiting information on the main page. Now, the, the graphic that we're looking at here is a sample of what I've created in the past, where if you notice that the red phone number, the red email, the share buttons on the page, if you look at the bottom of the page, how to apply, email us click to call, apply now. All of those buttons are being tracked in Google Analytics. It's being tracked in a Google goal with a Google event because that will tell me, is somebody looking at this ad and where are they clicking? Where are their eyes going? Are they emailing this job to a friend or are they applying themselves? All of this information will tell me that and I have it in a couple different areas of the page. And so I'm a, I can look at a report. I can put out a new job listing out to the world and then I can see how that page is performing. This page acts as a blog post and it's a template that you can build over and over again and d depending on the type of job that you're looking for, you're, the type of job that you're looking to fill. And so if you notice at the very bottom how to apply, somebody can email you directly. That email goes right to somebody on staff probably your HR department or, you know, somewhere else. But there's also an option within that platform that is has a quick application. Now, a lot of different companies will use a tool like 10th Street, and they are great. They, they make the ease of applying for drivers uh, much more easier because they store a lot of their data, and, and it's a quick way to get drivers to apply to a new job if they're looking. But this tactic, too, uh, having a mini application, which is essentially just a mini form on your site that's tied to a Google goal, you're able to now capture that information, that driver, that employee recruiting information, you capture it on your owned platform. And then once they apply in the mini application, once they hit send, they're redirected to 10th Street or they're redirected to another application provider should you have that capability set up with another third party. The way that this works is that you still capture that first party data without having to rely on a third-party source. Third-party sources are great and they can be used in a, a variety of different marketing ways, but this is really your, your, the best bang for your buck because then you know within your own data of how that job post is performing. And so what that method allows you to do if you just build a simple application on your, on your website is in that way you can then take that blog post, which is essentially a job listing, and you can send it out to all of your social media platforms. You can also, if it's set up and programmed correctly, you can tie in with different API integrations that that various different job boards already have. I know ZipRecruiter, Google 
Google Glass, I think it's like Glassdoor or something like that. They're Google's job board um, and a variety of other job boards out there will allow this API integration to take place so you can publish a job listing directly on your site and then take that same data and it automatically sends out through an API connection to all of the different job boards that allow it that have that capability. But you're still taking advantage and still owning your first party data, which is incredibly important. And so now because those job posts are created or or treated as a blog post, you have a custom URL that you can also send out to all of your different social media platforms. And then tying it back to the other data points that we talked about earlier, you can now see in Google Search Console if somebody is looking for that particular job. Did they arrive on that page and did they ultimately complete the goal that you want them to take? So it's really your sort of full circle marketing that really sort of benefits and snowballs into an effect that in the future, people will will get used to coming to your site to look for available jobs. And if they don't do that, then they're going to Google and you ideally want to be able to show up for that job listing. So it's really a multi-pronged approach with your job listings and recruiting efforts to really measure the success of, of what is performing well and what isn't performing well. Because if you... If all is looking good, you can also start to use not only social media, but advertising in order to drive traffic to that page in order to get applicants directly on that page. And so it's setting up your most important marketing data points and creating that flow on your site first. And it also, it helps to expand and justify adding more budget to your marketing and to your social media and advertising because you have the flow set up on your website correctly first before you start investing in content marketing and advertising. Too many times I see businesses out here that will jump into investing into content marketing or investing into advertising without making sure that the flow is set up correctly on their site first. So it's really, really a valuable tool that I encourage everybody to get out there and and really hone in on the ownership part of your website in order to really capitalize on a lot of the different platforms out there and utilizing those channels as distribution spots that all lead back to your website where you can control the real estate and you can control the, the, the flow that the visitor will take. But make sure you get that flow right on your site first before you start investing in these other strategies. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, and I think you'll love another show I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here live on Freight Waves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you found in the show notes or again over on my digitaldispatch.io website. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing. And since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust that folks like yourself will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Brumleven. I will see you real soon.